So very welcome to Carpe DM podcast. This is your host, Bush and myself, and this is the fourth podcast of 2021. Now, today I have uh, another guest with me. He's back again. He was my first guest on this podcast when we started off. It's Thomas Arnold. Very welcome. Take two, baby. Take two. And today I want to kind of dive into the entire kind of topic of social media marketing and especially influencer marketing. I think you who created the first TikTok house in Ireland have some sort of a knowledge about that and insight I can be able to kind of rip out of you. <laughs> is just gyrating behind the camera there. Just for, for, for people who cannot see the angles now, we have uh, Jake here as well. Jake, now, Jake was not good enough to be on this podcast. No, he, no, no he doesn't know enough about social media marketing. <laughs> now, just kind of starting off, like, what do you think, like, compared to other traditional media marketing, so you have your TV, paper, media, how do you think that compares to social media, especially influence marketing right now in Ireland? Like, do you think it's like same as, or is it more influential at, at this point? I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword. So influencer marketing is like more on trend than say print media. So let's make an example. Like newspapers traditionally would have, before the internet, you would have just put them at train mm. stations, put them at schools, put them outside people's houses. They'd mm. pick them up, they'd read them. They would have had good readerships. People didn't really have a choice to get information elsewhere. They might've watched a bit of TV. Yeah. And that's when newspapers were way more relevant. The only reason why we're even bothered talking about influencers is that because of the mobile phone, we spend way more of our time on Instagram, Facebook, all these platforms. And influencers are the people who we watch the most. So in terms of comparing it, like I think influencers are more relevant than like print media and stuff. But the downside to it is that influencer marketing is like, it's not really regulated. There's a lot of spoofers there. There's a lot of fake followers. You sort of have to really dig deep to find influencers that can actually really work with your brand. Whereas stuff like print media, at least they know their audience very well. And for certain businesses, it would still make sense to do like Irish Times ads. Like if you're selling high-end cars or you're an asset management agency, probably would make sense to buy space in the business post. So Yeah, or Financial um, Times or something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, there's, I think there's room for all kinds of places to serve ads. Mm. Just influencers is what's in vogue at the moment. Like personally, I see uh, social media growing over the next few years. So for like go back to 2016, the influencer marketing was worth 1.6 billion. Then go back to last year, 2020, it was worth 9.7 billion. And then for this year, it's predicted to be around 15 billion. So it's grown exponentially. And that's spent from advertisers. Advertisers, yeah. Interesting. And that's just, just on influencers alone. So going forward, that's only going to grow. And I, I shared the, this information with you earlier on, but that like the engagement amongst the nano influencers, for those who don't know, nano influencers are influencers who have between one to 10,000 followers. It's probably like all our mothers. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. And, but like they have the, uh, the best engagement out of all the influencers. That's, that's because they, they're not perceived to be like celebrity per se. They have more trust with them and people just engage more with them. And they're predicted to be the next big thing. So for the past three uh, years, the, the stats came out. So initially 2016, 2015, the marketing agencies and brands were using the ratio of one big uh, influencer. So that's like 100 plus K uh, followers uh, to three small influencers. And now that ratio is one to 10. So one big influencer to 10 small influencers. 
So the small the, the era of small influencers is on the rise. That's very interesting. And also, I was saying to you that smaller influencers would have more trust with people. And also, there's this podcaster called Blind Boy. He's like this guy in Limerick, and he has millions of people who listen to his podcast. But he always talks about basically being the little man in Limerick who is fighting all these big corporations. He fucking hates advertisers. He hates big, uh, you know, big celebrities and stuff. He thinks they're all full of shit. He's just the local lad who you could have a chat with. And that really brings him down to earth and makes him seem like he's a small guy and you'd really trust him. And I do trust him. Mm. But at the same time, it's clever as well because someone who feels like they're too big for their boots, I think people are go, oh, Jesus, that's a bit far removed from me. I feel like just it's more about being able to relate to people. So like that's kind of why I see influencers as compared to standard uh, like celebrities, such as like actors and all, to be more relatable. Because you know, vlogging your daily life, like people can relate to oh, you're stuck in traffic, stuff like that. You know, like they can really relate to being off on a yacht on a private island. Now that's not really relatable. It's fun to watch, yes, but it's not relatable. And that's kind of why small influencers, you know, I think will be growing, and potentially. Because they'll be growing, there'll be even more of them. And that's kind of a plus and minus both to the influencers and to the brands. For the influencers, it's minus because more competition. For the brands, it's better because more competition, the, the prices will be lower for them, for marketing and all. But that being said, the industry itself will be just growing. So for the people like uh, the Go House, Gary V, uh, VaynerMedia, all of those spaces will be growing. Because the industry itself is on the rise. Now, interestingly, Coke recently slashed a bunch of the agencies that they work with. They did a big consolidation exercise. So I think they work with something like 1,700 agencies worldwide. Obviously, Coke, massive company, one yeah. of the biggest uh, brands in the world. But they basically put up for tender all the uh, marketing work they're going to do for the next year. And I think they've picked like 20 agencies so this is sort of slightly off topic, but there is this trend towards people moving marketing in-house. And uh, I think that's probably going to continue to happen moving forward because why would people bother spending big fees with agencies who are outside of you know, the business and they don't really understand what the brand messaging is and stuff? Why wouldn't you just bring someone in-house? And it sort of goes with influencers as well. It's like, why would you go with the big person when you could get all the little people for very cheap? Mm. Like, imagine if Coke came to you and was like, Demo, we're going to uh, put you in our ad campaign for January. We're going to get people drinking Coke and make, you know, and get mm. them. I won't say the other thing I was going to say. Um, get them drinking bottles of Coke. You'd be like, oh, I might try that because I think Coke is such a big brand. And if they just multiply Demo by 50, you could probably get very cheap reach for um, by just playing things smart. So I'd almost argue that when you get, like if I go through my Instagram feed and I see a bunch of my friends using the same product, I'm bound to try it out. And if you were very targeted and picked like the right amount of people with a few thousand followers, you could probably get a lot more reach than like one person with a million. So I can understand where the thinking comes behind it. And it'll be interesting to see that figure you quoted about ad spends is that going to go up next year? I'd presume it is. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to know, though, where does that influencer spend go? Because I'd say a lot of it probably goes into Instagram. Instagram is the biggest one at the moment. Out of all of the campaigns used, I think it was 74, 76%. They included Instagram. So out of all of the brand campaigns used, 76 of them, or 74, I can't remember exactly the percentage, but in around, was used on Instagram. 
And I'd be interested to see then, well, does that skew towards fashion and makeup or like what verticals was that money spent in? Because in stuff like fitness and fashion and makeup, it, it makes a lot of sense. Like if I have a makeup brand and I associate myself with like a fashion blogger, I can see how those two things could move product. There are those weird gray areas where people don't have like defined niches. And I'm sure brands are like, I don't even know how to get into the influencer market because there's nobody really serving my niche. So uh, I'd say that skew towards a certain... Well, one thing I can say after having researched UK, US and Irish markets, going through thousands of influencers on, UK, on TikTok, Instagram and uh, YouTube, there is pretty much a niche for any brand and for any influencer. Like if you are really into something, be it like comics, be, I don't know, comics is a very wide one, but like very miniature figures, I don't know, cameras, camera straps, podcasting, candles. Like there is a niche for you and like... If you like something, you're obviously using a sub, so certain products. So obviously a brands that you use will be interested in working with you. So I think going forward, like that will be kind of the way to go. Especially since the YouTube, I can't, believe, I can't remember exactly if, if it's the largest uh, search uh, platform used or second largest after Google. But like that's why I pop, how people like look up tutorials, how to do things, the re reviews. So... Channels, channels to doing that will be just blowing up. Like, like how many times have you used in the past year? If you're gonna buy something, you're gonna type it into YouTube and see how it uh, works, and of course, then review. Yeah. Like I'd argue, even uh, Rode, like we're doing the Rode Procaster here, um, it it has so many good reviews on YouTube. Like so many of these brands now, they're just, they just focus on make a great product, give it to the tech influencers. And how many influencers have you heard go, they didn't pay me to do this. They just allowed me to make a fully honest review. And then you're, as a viewer, my guard is down and I go, I know they're being honest. And they do a good review. I'm like, oh, fuck it. I might buy that. Go onto Amazon, find it, buy it. Boom. Like, I don't know how it is with you, but like, I, I will go into the company's website, see the, the specs and all. I'll be like, okay. But for actual reviews, I will never go to the company itself. I'll go either on like, Amazon like comments reviews or go to YouTube because like it just feels more authentic and that's kind of what people want and that's why like the influencer market is kind of growing because you want the authenticity you want like the truth yeah and we're um we have such high bullshit filters now like we just don't care and we can see when people are fake and we can see when people are pushing product that they don't actually believe in and um, so that's why I think like ultimately with the internet, the best products will really come to the come to the fore and you have to have a very sophisticated online e-commerce presence for your brands to work uh, if it's direct to consumer. If it's like a brand that you're selling purely online and you have no physical brick and mortar store where you're actually selling it, it's, it's so cool. And I think the internet's amazing as well for all those niches, as you said, there really is a place for everybody. But then going back to the kind of authenticity thing you said about like bullshit filters, so to say, that very, very well reflects on, on TikTok. Because if you see an ad on TikTok, as you and I know very well, people just crawl past it. So like there is this new like era of entertainment slash advertisement. So like uh, advertainment, you can almost call it. So like you need to like engage the audience, give them a reward before you can sell something. Like, like the age of like, here's a product in your face, it's kind of gone. Like, cause like people are just so numb to seeing ads. Like how many times you went on a website and you've seen like strips of ads on either side and you know there's ads there and you see it in your peripheral vision, 
we don't actually pay attention to it. And that's kind of the same with like pop-up ads on a lot of websites. Yes, you might like see it for a second, but you you know it's an ad, you just X out straight away. Board with going like info influencers for any kind of ad, info brands themselves, if they want to grow and go forward next year and going forward like many years ahead, they need to like provide value, be it entertainment, be it all like brand awareness to the to the brand, not just selling. And like when they go to social networks such as TikTok or YouTube. They want to kind of build their awareness and campaign about like their company as a, their values rather than selling. Yeah, like the one that comes to mind for me is GoPro and how they really broke into the market was they associated their camera with people doing really cool things. So they gave their camera to people who were going on the North Pole, people who were surfing in Hawaii, people who were doing road trips in like South America and they just created these amazing videos that through association, you were like, oh my God, these videos are so cool. They're so adventurous. I want a GoPro so I can go off and do my own adventures. And it it sort of worked because people want to have a certain feeling when they think of your product, be that they feel safe with, I don't know, like a VPN, that they feel like they're going to laugh if you're a comedian. They feel like, uh, or they want to feel cool, like buying a fucking Mm. Louis Vuitton bag. So, understanding like what kind of feelings your brand want you wanted to give to consumers like that's very important and as you said long gone are the days where fucking dove could run a soap ad back in the 1980s and go our soap is the freshest soap ever and it makes you and it scrubs like this but that that's the thing like the specs of a product never sell it's the feeling of the product that sells like when you go for that dove you don't buy because it cleans no you buy because you want to feel clean same with the detergents you buy it because it makes your clothes feel clean it's not about like how many grams or whatever it has toothpaste used to be uh there was a couple of things with toothpaste that that didn't create product market fit initially so initially with toothpaste there wasn't the agent in it that allowed it to expand in your mouth Mm. so anybody knows if you pour toothpaste on a toothbrush you put it into your mouth it expands like shampoo and it starts to go all around your Mm. mouth and it was Procter and Gamble who invented the thing that um, they started putting flavors into the toothpaste because they realized it's not just about you brushing your teeth, but your mouth needs to feel like it's clean. So they added in mint and they added in the idea of having it smell fresh and to feel clean. Mm. And that got a lot more um, like good user feedback. And now brushing your teeth is one of those things where people do it every day, but you forget that like products are are sort of all the things that we do for granted, buying coffees, brushing our teeth, shampooing our hair, although they are related to things that humans do every day, like keeping clean and all that kind of stuff. It started off as just brands who wanted to get their product out in front of people. I don't know why I sort of went on that rant, but like you can be very deliberate with how you want your product to be used. And if people can have that as part of their everyday life, you can get all these all these business metrics we talk about, like lifetime value, customer retention, how many times people use your product in a day or a week, you can sort of craft those scenarios. Yeah, and kind of same goes to like the advertisement and feeling like, like when you watch an ad, like let's say the ads that you remember are not the ones that are trying to sell you something, they're the ones that, provide, that are providing entertainment or, provi- or providing value. So let's go back to like one of the most memorable ads of that kind of kicked off the entire uh, era of ads was the Apple's 1984 commercial. Yeah, think different. Yeah. Like it wasn't selling anything, it was a push of a value. And that's kind of what resonated with people. 
you know, like all just entertainment values about the companies now. So like think about like, think big ball commercials. Like very seldomly are they actually selling stuff. And yes, the car commercials may do so, but quite often it's just about like, we're this brand. We're, we have a positive image. Look at, we make you smile. This is the brand. And then you say the good feeling and the smile with the brand. It's all, it's all about those connections. So like going forward, like those connections will be very, very important for the brands to build on the social media accounts. So like a good example would that be uh, Chipotle. So if you look at their TikTok, okay, they're not selling like Chipotle. They're just talking about their brand. And if you look at the uh, advertisement that David Dobrik did for them for over the past like year or so, like, yes, he was giving away vouchers, lifetime uh, vouchers to Chipotle. I mean, yeah, that's all cool. But it's all about like creating positive image, funny, Chipotle. You know, it's all about like the feeling. And it's not about just, you know, it's not about selling, it's more about branding. And if brands are not aware of that, they will hurt themselves potentially, definitely in the, in the short term, but potentially in the long term if they don't change their approach to selling. Like one that sticks out to me was Guinness are very good at their ads as well. And I remember watching uh, a pretty famous one as Garrett Thomas, who was formerly the captain of the Welsh rugby team, as he was about to retire, uh, he came out as being gay. And they did a, a whole advertisement around, it was just Garrett Thomas talking about how in rugby, you have to be strong. You have to be powerful. I've gone through lions, um, lions tests in South Africa. I've faced some of the most ferocious men on the rugby fields. But the hardest thing I ever had to do was come out to my teammates as gay, and that was such a powerful advertisement. It just it communicates so many things like bravery, um, you know, relating to sports going out of your comfort zone, being who you are. And then it just put the Guinness logo at the end of it. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. And I don't even drink Guinness, but I have such a positive, aff not affirmation, but positive association with the brand. So um, you're, you're dead right. And I think uh, hopefully brands can learn that moving forward. But I don't think necessarily people, everybody understands that. So it's, I think it's the job of marketing agencies and stuff to really sort of explain that to people and at least try it because... I think people zone out when they just look at products. They don't care anymore. Because like, if you don't take into consideration and if you just kind of go, go in, to, even to the influencers who have this reputation of being trustworthy with their followers, if they just go into the feed and say, this is product X, it's so, 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 it's great. Like, okay, skip. <laughs> like, the, yes, you, you may not, yes, people may have seen it, but it's not really engaging like okay unless it's like an ongoing relationship and you're like i got this product here this is me after a month after a week then people are like oh yeah, yeah she did so and so or he did so and so and like it makes more sense and that's actually a reason why uh, the report from 2020 that was arraigned uh, earlier today stated that a lot of the brands are moving uh, towards uh, having ongoing relations with influencers rather than the kind of all once off because those relationships seem to be more trustworthy in, in the eyes of the followers and the consumers. So potentially speaking, that, that's kind of the, the way going forward. Yeah. That makes sense as well, though. Like there's, um, there's a lot of research around how many touch points it takes for your brand to like, go from a customer not knowing your brand to them interacting with it. And it's something like you need 15 touch points before they even go near it. Mm. And it's sort of the same with influencers as well. People... I don't think people necessarily care that an influencer gets paid to do a post, but 
as you said, if it's turning up again and again and again, like David Dobrik and SeatGeek, which is a, a ticket app that have sponsored and buy loads of his friends' cars, they just kept coming up again and again and again and again. And you see them as a bit like a friend, you yeah. know, as someone who comes back over and over and over again. And that just creates the trust in their brand. And, and that's what people, I think that's what every company wants. Every company wants like loyal fan bases and loyal customers. Um, and I think, yeah, like long-term partnerships generally are are just good ideas in life, not just influencers, you mm. know? Yeah, like you, you'll see, like, uh, especially with influencers who, for example, like, like you said, it comes up over and over again. Like, for example, let's say yourself, if, if Canon sponsored you, and like, you were like on and on talking about how great Canon is. Like the first time you said people be like, oh yeah, they paid you. But if you like over and over and over and you actually use the product, you can see it in your like uh, posts, your videos, it's like, well, he can vouch for it. He's not being biased. He's actually using the stuff. And that's, I don't really know what the beauty and fashion uh, industry, but I assume it's very much the same. The principles have still applied there. Yeah, like there's a lot of influencers coming out with their own products now. And I think like I've even done, I don't think I've done a merch drop before, but I've had friends who have done merch drops and, it hasn't been successful on the launch mm. day, but I, I don't think that's the point. I think it is like longevity over time, creating better products, sticking with it. And, mm. and people can see that, like people can see, I think people are very, I think generally people are very smart online and they can see when people are being honest or not. And it's those people that really push through. You, you aren't tricking anybody on the internet these days. No. People are just too copped on, you know? I think that's potentially why the TikTok is so popular right now because it's just like kind of raw. When you look at uh, Instagram, it's very polished, you know, photos, photos are very edited. V uh, YouTube you, videos pretty edited. TikTok, it just kind of take a photo, take a, know, it's not a photo, it's a video, and you just post it. It's kind of same authenticity as Snapchat was, like, except like it's, everyone can see it. Yeah. What do you think of Snapchat Spotlight? I actually have not looked at it. Like I no, like, I've seen reels, but like, I assume the same principle as reels. It's basically TikTok. the same as TikTok, but on the right hand side, you can heart something, but you can't see how many likes it's got, and there's no like for you page, so it's just your screen, and you can flick through, but you can't go. I don't know if you can go back. Um, Do you have to follow the people to see them, or is it just kind of random? You're just people? you're just giving it. Yeah. Okay, so same as for you page on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, and if you want to see someone. You can follow them and then just go into their account. Okay. So it's apparently they're giving away a million dollars a day to the best viral TikToks. Or sorry, best viral things on Spotlight. Okay. Fun fact. Uh, Snapchat's lost four billion. Since when? Or since its inception. It's raised crazy amounts of money and they're moving towards profitability, but they've had a steady growth in user base over time. They're around 330 million users and they've retained like their teenage audience. Um, but they've lost copious amounts of money. I think uh, there was like an incident, I could be completely wrong, but like it just, for some reason I have it in my mind, I think it was like three years ago, Kylie Jenner, she uh, tweeted something saying that Snapchat was shit and it just dropped the Snapchat by like a million or something or like that's, that's kind of goes forward about how much power the influencers have and like how much that kind of Snapchat has died off as well, like but yeah, Fucking Elon Musk tweeted about Dogecoin, <laughs> the altcoin on a- uh, And it just skyrocketed. It skyrocketed by 8,000%, 8,000%. It went from, I can't remember what it went from, but uh, it went up to basically $2 and it was previously at like 0 0.0002 or eight or something. Um, like that's dangerous shit. That could have made people super rich. Like, yeah. <laughs> But like, think about like, 
actually like their business influences Gary V, uh, Elon Musk, they're essentially influencers as well. Yes, they are entrepreneurs, but they are influencers in the financial sphere. So like it doesn't go it doesn't go just for beauty and YouTubers and whatever. Yes, content is important, but like influencers are just kind of everywhere. The finance thing is particularly interesting and dangerous because imagine you follow like a business person and they tweet about a certain stock and you believe in them. But what if that was in their vested interest? What if they like shat on a stock, the stock goes down three or 4%, they buy in at the lower yeah. percentage and they sell when it's higher. Like, I don't know if that's illegal, but it's highly... Like, I, I see how like somebody would do that and why they would do that. And like, that, that just kind of goes back to the trust thing. Like, cause like, I'd say if somebody did do that, they would profit, but eventually that would come out and that would reflect so badly on them. The internet's gonna get all the truth out. So, mm. like, we, we all all I kind of learned over the past like few years is like, especially with all people getting cancelled like twenty twenty. No matter how long ago it was, people will find the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull shit from your past, like. So. Yeah. What's your opinion? Okay, so like, I've done some research on YouTube, TikTok, uh, Instagram influencers, and a lot of them are very, very strong on one social media, and they might have another kind of sort of. Like, most of them have IG of some sort, and then majority would either have a TikTok or YouTube. Would you say it's more important to be very, very strong on one social media uh, platform or be kind of average enough across all of them? Yeah, like definitely good to be diversified. Now, I'll, I'll preface this. Like I suck comparatively. Like I'm not an influencer. Yeah. Like my numbers are fucking shocking. I'm uh, I'm like Jose Mourinho. I could never be good enough to be a football player, but I will run the fucking football team. Mm-hmm. Um, but it obviously makes sense to be more diverse. A classic example, Shaun of the Sheep's Instagram got deleted three days ago. Well, Did you not know that? No, she I didn't. From 40, she was on 42K on Instagram. Now she's on like three or 4K. Whoa. Her, um, her TikTok got deleted as well. So she only has her personal TikTok. And she's been like wiped out basically. And now she has to start again from the, from the bottom. So Damn. like it's so important to be diversified and... I think if you're good enough to be diversified across a couple platforms, you have the skill set to hop on a new platform. But if you're solely reliant on one, it's a bit like stocks. Like imagine you pumped all your money into Mm -hmm. one stock your entire career, and then the stock goes down by like 20% when you want to cash it out for your retirements. There's a reason why in investing, they say diversify your portfolio. And it's sort of the same with um, different social media platforms. You don't have to be amazing on all of them. But to have like a foot in a couple of them is good. And I think you learn a lot by testing out the different platforms. Mm. So um, yeah, definitely be diversified. Now, speaking of new platforms, Clubhouse. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I feel like an old man having to learn a new platform again. Fucking hell. I like, okay, I've only had maybe three, four hours experience in it. I only got to refer to it today. But so far, I love it. Like the way I, the way I see it, okay, for people who have no idea what Clubhouse is. You only is, joined today. I only joined today. I added you off the waitlist. Oh, you did, yeah. <laughs> Let's get this read. <laughs> so the, the way I would explain it, it's like a podcast, except it's live. So it, imagine being on a virtual uh, panel of experts and you just sit in and listen. You can ask a question. You're going to put up your hand. They'll like, they unmute you. You can ask a question or whatever, make a comment, and they'll mute you again. But... The fact that there's so many various chat rooms out there and so many various experts out there, you can gain so much insight. Like, okay, again, I've only had a few hours of experience on it. So like, this is a very uh, early review. But like, so far, it, from my point of view, it has great potential. 
both for like personal development and for business. For, for people who actually talk on those things and actually who know what they're talking about, like that's such a great way to solidify their expertise and like, get like notoriety in like be it marketing, in terms of, like business, fashion media, languages, whatever. It's something so interesting as well because it is live, like, and I have notifications turned on for Mr. Beast, and he spoke like two nights ago at 11 p.m. and I was asleep, mm. and I woke up the next morning and I was devastated that I didn't wasn't there. So there is something interesting about it because you log on like as soon as you see a notification you want to see because you're excited to hear what somebody mm. wants to say, and uh, it's gone, like it's not pre-recorded you can't actually record it because you're not supposed to with its privacy policy. So it's, um, it's really interesting. And, you know, I think, as you said there, it's sort of catered towards, I wouldn't say smart people, but it's catered towards people who actually know what they're fucking talking about. Yeah. Because if you're not interesting to listen to, people won't listen. And like, I'm, I'm fucking, nobody's going to listen to what me yeah. and Jake are going to have to say, but like, um, yeah. But like, also like, if you like, don't have anything to say, like people just like, won't follow you they yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> would you say like it's like the audio version of linkedin yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah definitely and like actually go, going over to linkedin like you have some experience i love linkedin okay P please explain the entire kind of concept about being the linkedin influencer i know you say you're not an influencer but you do have some insight yeah well like linkedin used to be a job posting site mm. and now basically any business professionals will post on there they generally post about some achievement in their career if they have a job offering coming up or they want to brag about themselves mm. and like i think linkedin is such a white space because the quality of the content as a consumer is like very poor so so bad nobody posts anything that's interesting and if you can go on there and actually try and provide value for the person watching like a bit of insight um, something that's actually cool and like educational uh, people will love you for it because the majority of the stuff is shit and people know that people are bragging so um and the organic reach in it is pretty good at the moment now it's gone down from last year but like it's still decent still, still there like. yeah and it's great for the ldms and like reaching people who are working professionals so if you're into business and into tech and want to make that kind of content then like hop on there because um people who would pay for your services are on that platform. Would you say if you want to make connections and actually grow your brand, that's more important than making uh, like YouTube and Instagram and all? Or would you say yeah. just as important or less? Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past someone doing a LinkedIn only show or something. Like I think that would be excellent for your brand. Yeah, an excellent place to start. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you Nemo. Thank you. Just kind of quick, one, one, one more quick question before I fully exit, like about brands and actually brands making content. How important do you think it is for brands to start producing their own content? Uh, it is the be all and end all. They have to do it. They have to do it in-house and they have to make it about the things that they care about and they have to uh, put it out all over the internet. Um, dude, they have to do it. Very well. Actually, just, just to finish up on a statistic, uh, uh, in the 2020 report that I was talking about earlier on, I'll actually link it into the YouTube uh, bio so everyone can come check it out. But 84 brands said that they will be increasing their video uh, content production and 76% uh, said they'll be increasing their content production in general in the forthcoming year. So like they do, brands do see that and those remaining percents who said no will be the ones who will be left behind. That's my five cents on it. <laughs> and on that bright note, I want to thank Thomas Arnold for being here.
and want to thank everyone who was here listening and watching us. And we'll see you and talk to you next one. Peace. Thank you.